This is the podcast Love, Blood, Sex, Death. As daughters of Venus, we're on a mission for 2020 and beyond to awaken more love in the world through intimate and educational conversations that shed light on our societal taboos. Those are the things that we all obsess about privately, but don't speak about publicly. Welcome to the show. Hey, Janiska. Hello, lovely. How you going? Hello to everyone who's joining us. Lovely to have you back again. Yeah. So today we've got one hotbed of a taboo. In fact, one of the most inflammatory topics that there ever was. And uh, this is something that we both have personal experience in, and I know many of our listening audience will. I am speaking of abortion. Ain't that a loaded word? Mm. Which is why a lot prefer to use the the term termination. Um, But it's a loaded issue, isn't it? What do you feel about it, Kristen? Yeah, I do. I, I definitely felt when I'd gone through the experience, like, just how much kind of shame and tabooness was around it. I hadn't really given it much thought until then. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that any fertile woman, it's it's going to be part of what you have to navigate in life, that, right. that decision. And we don't have enough preparation. We're not, yeah. you know, without initiating our girls into moon lodges and, and having exposure to women that are dealing with these choices where we're not confronting our power to create to create life and with that comes the power to destroy and that's part of you know what it is to become a woman it's to sit with that level of power you know of Mm. tapua of sacred power and go I have this power and the the best way we can support the women of the future is to have those conversations about what that means so that we're empowering our young women to make good choices about everything in their lives but also when it comes to the ultimate power to decide what lives and what dies, which in traditional cultures always was the jurisdiction of the woman not an external body, the state treating women like children and telling them what they could and can't do, mm-hmm. which is what it's become with the omission of women's rights. And um, I'm not speaking of civil rights, but rather our our lost rites of passage. So, you know, basically we don't get the preparation psychologically to cope with the power of fertility right. at puberty. And so when you add to that, most of us had no initiation into, you know, how to maintain and manage our own fertility cycle. Mm -hmm. I had no bloody idea when I was fertile. It was like Russian roulette, (laughs) (laughs) you know, many trips to get the morning after pill, you know, shitting. I've taken so many pregnancy tests. Right. Probably in the hundreds. (laughs) Wow, thank you. I remember I was in Germany and staying with my sister because I had a nervous breakdown. I was 18 and my dad didn't want me coming home and so he sends me off to Germany. My sister was a virgin, even though she's older, and I couldn't speak a word of Deutsch and I had a pregnancy scare over there and needed to get a 
fucking pregnancy test and she was so judgmental of me it was like you know I was a, a total hussy a slut a trap you know <laughs> yeah. so you know it's what women do to other women too around right. this issue you know and I reckon that comes from the sort of patriarchal religious doctrines which have been anchored in the collective psyche yeah. that you know we're all meant to be the virgin mother so if yeah. you have sex you're bad if you get yeah. pregnant then you you're fallen you're a fallen yeah. woman right <laughs> hence the title the fast and the furious you know you're a fast woman if you acknowledge yeah. that you're fertile i can't yeah. remember driving when i was like eight months pregnant and this truckie getting up beside me and doing that thing with his tongue as if he's giving me cunnilingus it's like <laughs> oh, excuse me like do you know what i mean like it's kind of like you're a sitting duck out yeah. there in, in our culture if you know by the fact you've got a bump it's like yes yeah. i've had sex <laughs> yeah right, you know, right. that happened while you're pregnant yeah given right. the immaturity of our culture around sex in mm-hmm. general and then this vilification of women if they're not like the virgin mother when they get pregnant and and the ultimate taboo is to make that choice of going it's not the right time yeah it's not uh i can't give this child what it would need to honor its needs to fulfill its potential and making a choice that is a heavy choice um but nonetheless the choice of the woman who would be gestating that life is my feeling anyway i mean as you can tell i'm pro-choice what's your status on that yeah definitely agree and definitely pro-choice um I feel like when we look at you know look at look at nature and we can always find the truth beyond what we've been conditioned to believe to be right and wrong and we see other mammals and animals that um, that make that decision as well when they see that it's not the right time, it's not safe, it's not for the in the interest of um, the young um, that they yeah they have you know the last sort of part of their pregnancy is to um, to abort and some in fact abort while pregnant if they're in a hostile environment. Um, there are studies that show that sharks and Sting and some kind of rays um, also abort when they're captured, and yeah, because they know that it's not it's not going to be safe for the child. It's not the right environment. Um, as well I bet as, all the stingrays don't get around them with a bunch of placards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the the curse of the I human is right the ability to think. You know, not yeah. always good thoughts. Not always good. And so, mm. and we're just we're so impressionable by our um, conditionable. Um, there's also a, a a type of baboon um, called the gelada, which when a male comes into the pack, a new male, and and it's like the you know the dominating male, um, they will abort as well. Um, and then also males will interfere with um, the young of of another female animal that has had has given birth and to another male so that she can become fertile quicker. Um, so yeah, he'll try and separate the male 
um, animal will try and separate the young from the mother or kill the young or wound the, the young. Oh, I think so anyone that... who's been a single mother listening to yeah. this goes, yes, I've met men like that that try yeah. to yeah. force a wedge between your child and them, yeah. you know, because yeah. they're like they want to be the chosen child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. A very yeah. unattractive quality. In <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh dear so yeah I mean that for me you know going through the experience that was an insight that just kind of came through so strongly I was like whoa like there's all this sort of judgment and fear and all yes so much of the mind involved Mm -hmm. in around this topic when we're not the only ones who who do it it's 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 death is part of life it's yeah. the phobia we have around death, you know. Right. It's like, right, you know, and then comes up the, the you know, the righteous anger and it's all yeah. coming from fear, you know, yeah. whereas when we realise at the end of the day we are energy, we are eternal, we are, yeah. you know, beyond the physical, yeah. then we're not so caught up in, oh, it's a physical death. Yeah, it's like, yeah, totally. I mean, I remember when I needed to have a termination that uh, I went in and called up the soul energy, not you know, over the phone or anything, but just (laughs) energetically, you know, and I just said, This, I cannot provide, I'm not ready psychologically, material wise, I'm not ready to deal with this. Yep. And gave it notice of my yep. intention to terminate, which to me is kind of like, you know, if you're pruning, the decent thing to do is to say to the tree, hey, I'm about to lock yep. this branch off, yep. pull your energy back from that yep. branch. Yep. And it's the same thing before, I mean, I even do it when I'm about to use antrid, you know, we'll call <laughs> up the head ant and say, listen, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you're being given notice, you know. Yep. Because to me, that's that's honourable, you know, yeah. whereas to go and um, terminate a potential trajectory of another one's fate, um, it, it creates shock if there's no, you know, no prior warning. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of women would intuitively do that with a soul. You know, yeah. it, it, they may not verbalise it to somebody else. But yeah. I've even, you know, in my 20s before, you know, when I was most sexually active, no chance of that at the moment, let me tell you. But, uh, you know, when I felt, oh, maybe I could be, yeah. I would just say, okay, if there is a soul yeah. that's attached, this is not the right time. Then. Yeah. You know, and you might end up having an extra heavy bleed, and who knows? Maybe it's yep. an induced miscarriage. Have you ever yep. had a, a situation like that? Yeah, I have had a couple of situations where I've I've asked, um, you know, my womb. I've been like, like, can you please make this and not a, not a, a safe environment for the egg to implant? Like, just let let it all out. And I've had. I've definitely had the experience of a heavy bleed after that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and also speaking to, you know, you were saying like that we're all energy. And when I had my my abortion, I definitely felt that like that unconditional love that I felt um, growing inside me. It never really left. And 
nine months later or however long later when around the due date of when I would have given birth I opened the women's chat which is where we met um and birth beautiful yeah so I feel like I feel like that you know that creative potential of that egg and what came through was all very purposeful it had you know the energy the soul that came through me was um that you know there was the intention there to give me that creative energy that just it flooded my veins and after my termination I was creating and creating and birthing and eventually birthed this big space that was holding so many women you know that's such a good point because you know the energy um that we use to create biological children it takes a lot of energy obviously to maintain another life form you know and and attend to all their needs and you know, this is why patriarchal churches have, you know, said there will be no contraception because they obviously want to grow their their throng and their might. Yep. Um, but if women are just kept barefoot and pregnant, you know, they don't have the creative power, the, the, the life force to be able to birth creative children like books and, you know, projects and art yep. and... Yep. and um, you know, that is, uh, we are all multidimensional souls. So no one person is just a mother, you know, Mm -hmm. and to define ourselves as that is a huge disservice to our psyche. So um, I love that you were able to utilise that energy and birth a creative child. Yeah. Yeah, From that conception. Beautiful. Much more in alignment. I'd like to touch on... um, you know, from our experiences, um, you know, what it is that women do have to navigate. I mean, when I had mine, I was 18. It was the result of a rape, so I was very clear I wasn't keeping it. Plus I was 18. I mean, good God, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I barely managed to parent when I gave birth at 32. But um, anyway, that says more about my... (laughs) shortcomings as a person but uh back on track um it was illegal in the state where I was at college and I had to lie to my lecturers I had to as to why I needed time off I need to lie needed to lie to my father I wasn't in contact with my mother at the time as to why I wasn't coming home for the holidays um and then I had to get the money together because the guy sure as wasn't going to <laughs> contribute. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's so much, and particularly on young women, and think about, you know, when you're late teens, early 20s, not like you're earning a lot of money. You're often a student or working some shitty job with a right. terrible hourly rate. So just to get the money together is a huge stress unto itself. Is that something you had to confront? I was lucky um, that I, you know, the pregnancy happened with a partner. So I had support emotionally, emotionally not so much for a while, but um, yeah, financially we went halves and, um, and yeah, I was working and I was okay. But um, yeah, speaking to like what I've seen and what I know is that, yeah, minority groups are the ones that suffer the most, especially where it's illegal. And, you know, that being um, 
you know, anyone of the LGBTIQ community, especially people who, you know, if they're trans and they're in a, in a female body and male presenting, then they might not be given the right treatment. They already, they already experience really shitty medical treatment and, um, and also not like information on contraception because they still need, sometimes still need contraception. So there's a huge, huge issue with minority people in marginalized societies that suffer and yeah, low socioeconomic, um, young, yeah, young, like young females really, really, uh, have to go through a lot. I'm really sorry that you did. Oh, look, it's a long time, you know, now, but it was traumatic, you know, it was really traumatic and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad there are, in Australia, we have, you know, family planning centres everywhere, you know, that offer, yeah. you know, really accessible um, care. Yeah. But, um, you know, in the research that I was doing online about where it is still illegal, there's still a lot of places, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, in Malta, they're not allowed. Yeah. It's just, you know, forget it. You, yeah. you know, you'd have to leave the country. Um, where's all that info? I did all the research on yesterday. Here it is. So um, these are the places that still it's banned. Poland, Andorra, Liechtenstein, Malta, San Marino, and Angola, Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, Egypt, Gabon, Guinea-Bissau. Gascar Mauritania? Is that Mauritia? Excuse my ignorance, guys. Um, I can't even pronounce that one. Senegal, Iraq, Laos, Marshall Islands, Micronesia, Philippines, Tonga, Palau, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Suriname. You've never even heard of that place. <clears throat> so um, that's a lot of women that still can't yeah. get um you know what they need and you know you think about the fact that when you are pregnant you have through uh the equivalent of three years of pmt in one day like you've got 36 times the amount of hormones flooding your system in one day that a non-pregnant woman has and you think about how we feel prior to our period pretty itchy and scratchy imagine that times 36 every day and you're trying to navigate making a decision about that is intense you know especially for young women that haven't been initiated lack confidence generally may not have strong support systems you know often the friendships in that age group can be very what would you say drama fueled yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know so I think it's really, really important that yeah. that point that I know when sharing my experience you know and, and my whether you know when I was in the decision making phase I feel that uh, I kind of wish I didn't tell certain people because they were very opinionated and I feel like it's really important to really choose keep it sacred keep the information sacred listen to your intuition you know seek counsel but being sure to seek counsel from people who aren't going to be 
you know, they're, they're going to remain objective and just support you and, you know, give you facts and um, not not reacting and, and making it about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sorry you had to journey that because I didn't. I, you know, that was something I was spared. Um, but I can't imagine someone imposing their will. You no. know, I mean, okay, maybe the father, yes, yeah. he would definitely be entitled to have a very strong say in yeah. it. But at the end of the day, yeah. uh, he's not the one yeah. gestating the life. And, right. you know, so for me the buck stops with, the person that you know is carrying that life yeah. to make the choice that most fits for them right. but um I do feel for the guys that don't ever get told you know I think that that's not necessarily honorable of women that don't speak it I mean okay if there's violence or something if there's yeah. extenuating circumstances but um yeah. the rights of fathers if we want to be honored uh, we need to be honourable in, right. and, you know, is my feeling. Is that, I yeah. don't know. I've spoken to um, males in the past and they've made sort of like passing comments or like a joke like, oh, you know, who knows if I have children out there. and Right. And there's, you know, there's this sort of air around what they're saying of like, does that hurt you or are you cool with that or are you just kind of shut off from that? Like I don't, I don't know what they truly feel yeah I mean to me it's you know obviously it's through the, the joining of opposites that life is created and so um you know that soul is initiating both people right. through this yeah experience and so to deny them yeah um by not telling them is kind of like denying them the opportunity to mature because right. it is experiences like this that force us to mature, you know, and we, I suppose, enable the immature masculine if we keep them out of the loop. Right. You know, it's like, yep. no, nah, you got to look at this, you know, yep. whether you're comfortable or not. Yeah. Yeah. That was my experience was my partner really wanted to have the baby and. Oh, it, wow. It did result in a little bit of, um, like, uh, I think I, there was resentment towards me. Yeah, I bet. You know, I would share, you know, my, I remember one day I was like, oh, like I've been peeing all day and like kind of sharing this like weird thing that's happening with my body before I'd really decided that he knew what the chances of me keeping, the, the chances were low and, um, you know, and he was like, oh, yeah, cool, like very dismissive and because he didn't want to, I guess. Connect with it. Connect with it and, you know, and then there was there were other experiences where he, when I was like, I couldn't get out of bed because I was so sick for a couple yeah. of weeks. And, um, yeah. and he was, you know, like, I was like, can you get me some toast? And he kind of made a comment like, oh, what do I get out of you being pregnant? Kind of like. Oh, nice. Was, yeah, it was quite, it was quite difficult to to navigate. I mean, he's a making you even more sort of um, what would you say aware? I felt of... like a handicap, kind of like okay, cool. Like I feel very, yeah, disa disabled, like unable to look after myself or be looked after. Yeah, it was yeah. a, it was a tough time. So telling him what did make things really hard, but I don't regret it. But I. And it also sort of showed me where he was at and, and Thank confirmed you. my decision. Thank you. That's what I was trying to verbalise. Absolutely. Yeah. 
how someone responds to crises yeah. illustrates their character. Yeah. So, you know, give them enough rope to hang themselves. I'm not saying yeah. go out there and hang men everybody, right. but, you know, just <laughs> yeah. give them the information and how they the respond. Yeah. You know, are they going to respond like a boy or a man? Yeah. You know, and you'll either, it'll be the making or the breaking of the relationship. I've seen that many right. times with female housemates, you know. Right. Almost like a soul comes in to go, mm-hmm. don't waste this woman's time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, especially in a day and age where we don't seem to have a courtship. Well, I certainly have never managed it. But, um, yeah. you know, where we end up not, again, taking responsibility for the power of sexuality and yeah. what it culminates in, yeah. you know. So, um if that's what would you say if we're too available if yeah. we're not setting if we're not scrutinizing potential lovers then a catalyst yeah as what's her name susan mauhart says a baby's like a hand grenade thrown into a marriage one of the right. best ever written um, right but even you know a dot of a fetus is as well you know yeah. it yeah. will sort the men from the mice right um you know what I found interesting when I did a bit of online research that a lot of the uh, laws around abortion have all been thrown up into the air because of COVID. So right. whilst it used to be, you know, backyard abortions, abortions done in people's homes that were often very dangerous, resulting in a lot of women losing their life, yeah. Um, they temporarily in Wales and the UK said, yes, because of COVID, you can have abortions at home. And then there was an outcry and they, you know, overturned right. it. Um, and on the same page that I read that news article was an ad for stem cell and rich shampoo. Right. <laughs> Seriously. What mm. kind of a world are we living in, people? Mm. You know, I just, oh, Anyway, more about that later with a yep. warning. Um, yep. But, yeah, I think we need to look at this as a as a collective. It's like because without us looking at it, things are becoming very shadowy and distorted. But, again, we'll, we'll leave the real deep, dark, taboo stuff to the end of the episode. Yep. So um, there's been a lot of changing of abortion laws in the last two years in particular, um, where it was considered a criminal act with jail time of, you know, 10 to 14 years, Alabama, you can still go to jail for 99 years if you're a medical practitioner that, you know, enables that to happen. Yeah, thanks. Um, But, uh, yeah, for everywhere else, it's kind of they've all... They're all kind of saying, look, now if it's up until the 22-week mark, 24 weeks for the state of New York, but 22 weeks, um, that's okay. But after that, you know, it's got to be two doctors signing off, showing that it's because of, you know, really serious complications that, yeah. Um, So, I mean, it's good that it's finally being decriminalised more and more. But um, I think there's so much discrepancy between states 
yeah. like um, uh, the, what would you say, the Bible Belt in America. So that's mm-hmm. Georgia, Mississippi, Kentucky, Ohio, Iowa and North Dakota. They've all been passing what they're calling the heartbeat bills, which says if you can clock a heartbeat on a fetus, then no termination. And that can happen as early as six weeks when a lot of women perhaps don't even know themselves, you you know, especially if they have erratic periods. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, that's um, kind of where it's at at the moment. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was amazing to see that Ireland finally decriminalised it. I see Sinn Féin is kind of wanting to turn things back but given how strong catholicism is there um that was a huge victory for women's rights anyway yeah but yeah, I, think, um, I think i read it's something like 25 million unsafe abortions are carried out each year so backyard coat hanger abortions that end in a huge amount of ability or death all of which would be preventable if they had a safe place to have the abortion. So still now in the 21st century, yeah, those are the yeah, figures. Yeah. My God. And it's something like one quarter of pregnancies end in, in an abortion. And when I, when we're saying abortion, we're referring to elective abortion. So Thank you, not miscarriage. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, the, one of the terms is, is spontaneous abortions and miscarriage so thank you one quarter of pregnancies are ending in um a quarter in an elective, wow. yeah so there's and studies also show that it doesn't change the amount of people getting abortions whether or not it's it's decriminalized um the same amount maybe even more because usually there are people that are you know less um, with less access to sex education um, mm. in developing countries and um, in countries where they have those strict laws they don't teach about um, they don't have effective sexual education on the cycle and on contraception and so they're more likely to become pregnant and also less likely to have access to a legal and safe procedure um, so yeah potentially more likely to have to have a, a, an unsafe illegal abortion and that's, I mean, you know, prevention. I mean, I yep. think every young woman needs to have access to uh, a thorough understanding of her own cycle. Like for those listeners out there that are still going, yeah, yeah, really sure when I'm fertile. There's a great yep. book by the naturopath, uh, Sydney-based naturopath Francesca Nash. It's been out for about 20 years called Natural Fertility. It's a great book for understanding your cycle, knowing when you are most likely to get pregnant. But in a nutshell, if you're not a reader, maybe you're dyslexic, when you feel horny and slippery, that's your cervix putting out a welcome mat and happy (laughs) ovulation streamers inside. Yeah? So, and from the majority of fertile women around the world, that is full moon, everybody. Um, But what was so wow about this book was she was the first one to identify you could spontaneously ovulate when the moon was in the same moon phase as when you were born. So, again, it comes back to the reclamation of moon rites, of moon lodges Mm -hmm. and us understanding our cyclic nature as women 
because that can put you out of step with the rhythm method. Hence, there are so many large Catholic families, you know, if you're not initiated into lunar law, you know, the moon governs the feminine and really impacts our endocrine system. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's it's important too to to note that you know, that that fertile window. While we are only fertile for twenty four to forty eight hours, um, our partners, if we're you know having sex with a male, then they're always fertile, and so their sperm, if our if it's if our yoni is at the correct pH for their survival, can survive within the vaginal canal up to five to six days. Yes. So there's like a, a about a week pre-ovulation that you just want to be extra careful and that's when you most want it you know yeah totally. it's like you're putting out Estrogen. the pheromones even our, yeah. our posture changes like they've done statistic studies on uh, a man can see a woman 50 yards down the street and be more attracted to her when right. she's ovulating you know oh yeah like, so jesse jesse's like your lips are red today i'm like that's because i'm ovulating right <laughs> You know, we, yeah, it's like we're having a good hair day, everything, just, you know. So um, it, it takes a lot of, what would you say, awareness, empowerment, self-esteem, assertion to be able to set boundaries when the hormones are raging, you know. So, it's so hard. Yeah. Jesse and I try and have, yeah, condoms beside the bed um, for that for that time. But even then, sometimes we're just both like, fuck it. And then we're kind of like, afterwards, like, well, that was a bit wild and risky. And neither of us want a child right now. So, um, yeah, the, the, the body took over. I mean, good the to have that over. conversation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And for those women that have a strong Aphrodite archetype, um, even, you know, which is the, ah, the hell with it, you know. <laughs> In the name of love, to quote you too, not that that's not about that, but spontaneous, you know, just throwing caution to the wind. Yeah. Uh, whereas the women that have, you know, say a stronger Athena archetype, the career woman, that's not mm-hmm. so much an issue, you know. So yeah. there's a lot of factors. Again, the more women are initiated into understanding themselves, the more we yeah. can, you know. But, um, uh, what else do I want to say about this subject? Um, oh, healing trauma. Now, I know you've got a free program to help women to recover. It's not just from abortion, but from miscarriage. Am I right? Yeah, there's a more of a focus on um, elective abortion, though there are some exercises in there and um, herbs and supportive material also for um for women who have had a spontaneous abortion. Okay. Because I think that's a wonderful, um, and, you know, we'll leave your website details in the outro for people that want to go and access that. What's the name of it, love? It's called Spirit Baby. Spirit Baby, beautiful. Yeah. Um, I also would like to just flag um, there's a beautiful ceremony from Ecuador called Closing the Bones. And Mm. I was lucky to be given a version of this, which brought me out of two years postnatal depression. It was so fucking powerful. It's like Mm. swaddling an adult. You know how you swaddle a baby when it comes out of the womb so they feel held? After a traumatic event and 
having a curette is trauma for the body, for the grave, yeah. for the wound. Right. To be swaddled um, tightly and, you know, when I've performed this ceremony on women, you know, I'll do it, um, I'll anoint them, I'll yeah. chant, I'll channel messages from spirit and yeah. cover them with rose petals once we unveil them again. But it is so profound because it, it's a somatic experience you know it's the body the muscle memory is like i'm safe i'm held and closing the bones used to be done a few times uh within 48 hours of giving birth and i know when i had the termination my body went into like a spontaneous birth after the threat so the cramps that i had I was just beside myself and I was alone oh. on the floor, writhing in pain, sobbing and whimpering. Mm. Had no idea. You, you know, there was no, at the clinic, there was no like, right. oh, this may happen afterwards. <laughs> right. Know? And I think the birth of my daughter was, uh, uh, you know, because I hadn't cleared that trauma out of my womb, um, it was like reliving that trauma in a lot of ways so I would like to again do a shout out for visceral osteopathy uh, which is very deep work releasing the tension being held by the tendons and the ligaments within the womb you know if women are holding on to any trauma within that sacral emotional center it often results in excruciating menstrual pain and birth pain, you know. I mean, yeah. for some women, they can birth a child and be like, hmm, it's worse going to the dentist. Whereas for other women, it's right. just, you know. And I think the trauma that the womb, the grail is holding yeah. is, you know, that thing that doesn't show up on an ultrasound, you know. Yeah. And so exoteric science can be like, well, there's no problem, you know. You're just bad with pain. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, so ritual is so powerful for um, the healing process. Um, And Mayan womb massage, which is traditionally part of the closing the bones ceremony, and also doing a womb clearing. So that's something I speak about in my um, sacred union books um that ideally women are doing that between partners anyway that they're clearing any imposing energies out of their grail out of their womb but we need to do that after a a termination or a miscarriage as well you know what's your what have you found that has been helpful whether that's yourself or clients with uh healing the trauma being held in the womb after a termination or miscarriage. Yeah, I, it's interesting. A lot of the time when women come to get a yoni massage off me, they kind of say to me, you know, we have a, a chat before we go into session and they say, I've had a termination and, you know, I'm kind of expecting that to come up. And it almost never does. They have generally done their healing you know whenever it's kind of come up for them and you know and they're usually surprised like wow like I actually feel like I've done like my processing surrounding and you know I haven't 
I haven't had a session with a sister immediately after. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's another variable, but I know for me and my experience was, um, I had a ceremony with my partner. We had a piece of the, a piece of like, um, tissue had come out post, um, post abortion and he and I cut our hair and we buried it with a piece of tissue and we beautiful yeah we had a ceremony we spoke to each other and the spirit and it was very beautiful and healing um but then I don't know maybe oh a year later or so or two years later I remember being in the bath and it just hit me I was in the bath alone I couldn't get in touch with anyone it kind of just hit me and I was like I was sobbing and just yeah trigger warning for anyone listening yeah. I was sobbing like the tears were washing away in the bath and it was very cathartic and it was a long long sob and I was like wow I thought that I had kind of done yeah I'd, I'd used different womb oils and I'd used my egg and I'd said prayers and I'd done massage and you know I'd give I'd really nurtured myself I was already in a space of like really good self-care practice but it, I guess, you know, the saying healing isn't linear and it will take its own time. Mm. And it, it came up for me then and it was very cathartic and I kind of dragged myself to bed and cried to sleep and woke up the next day feeling like something huge had shifted. Wow. Um, yeah. I just love listening to that. Thank you. Because that plants seeds, you know, um, for how women can journey it you know afterwards and include their partner in that how beautiful really yeah. beautiful because we need to take our power back from um you know these deep sacred rights of birth and death being right. purely clinical right you know that is of the mind and yes yeah. there are certain physical things that need to be dealt with but we are sentient beings we are yeah. more than just the physical body and um healing is not linear you know and yeah. you never know with grief when there's going to be a trigger and another wave and as you right. say it could be years later that right. it comes up so thank you i want to sort of suggest uh, rebirthing you know breath work uh mm. as a great way of releasing um trauma and also just somatic experiencing so you know really checking in moment to moment staying in your body how am i yep. feeling how am i feeling now what about now what about now because mm. i know myself as a woman in the western world i can be like a discombobulated brain in a jar just not even <laughs> you know body what body you know? <laughs> right yeah so it's it's like a practice to come back to okay being in the body being feeling safe enough to inhabit a body you know particularly yeah. if there's been trauma yeah. um i did look up some herb law uh i mean in traditional cultures you know women weren't necessarily going to large um, medical centers and having invasive surgery uh, i know with the australian aboriginals um, there's a lovely elder marandindi that used to go to my daughter's school and teach you know bush law and bush medicine and he pointed out this one bush that had berries on it that would change from like orange to yellow to red and depending on the color of the berry it would be eaten by the women to use as a contraceptive or as an abortive herb mm -hmm. so obviously you know in that kind of culture 
the women would be taught, okay, this is what you eat, this is what you don't eat, whereas we've also lost connection with the earth and with knowing our medicinal herbs. Right. Um, and so, again, things get externalised to the men in white coats or, you know, like external mm-hmm. authority figures. But um, uh, just to, and I'm not a naturopath, so please, anybody listening to this, please see a professional naturopath if you are even thinking about, um, you know, having herbs. Don't just get them online or whatever. But um, cramp bark, um, had I known about that, it can help ease cramping. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you are planning a termination to have a session with a naturopath as to what herbs can be prescribed specifically for your body that can assist you through the experience, like yarrow and red raspberry are sometimes used to lessen blood loss and maintain healthy iron levels. Motherwort um, helps to slow down bleeding but also supports one's mood. So does St John's wort help with alleviating dark moods. Um, I think you said to me you had an experience with a naturopath yeah, I went to see my one of my practitioners that was supporting me during the time and he did some muscle testing on me. Um, he'd picked some, uh, I think he was using a Dong Kwai or, um, oh, what's the other word for it? Why? Oh, it's, the, the name's lost on me now, but yeah, something along those lines. There was some growing near his home and he picked some for me and he brought it in and, and held it against my body and muscle tested and was like, yeah, you're not, you're definitely not in a, in a healthy enough place to take this and go through with it um, in the, the natural way because I wasn't strong enough. I had only just started experiencing the nausea and um, well, yeah, when I went in, I was feeling quite sort of faint and I was sniffling a lot. And so he was like, yeah, it's not, not right for you right now. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Because you know, I mean, especially with lockdowns and all that, yep. women may be tempted to self-diagnose and order right. something online. Right. I came across something called Menthapulogium. Sorry if I'm bastardising the pronunciation of that. It's an <laughs> abortificent herb which was infamous uh, in plays and literature down through the ages as taking women's lives. Um, because the oil was so highly toxic when taken internally. Ruta, R-U-T-A, is another herb that was used traditionally as an abortificent herb in South America and throughout the Americas. Right. Um, But just like, you know, black cohosh, which I take daily to balance my hormones, uh, isn't recommended during first trimester. So that may be because it can, you know, bring on... Yep. Um, uh, termination and raspberry leaf whilst it's reported to be a you know pregnancy herb and I certainly drank a lot of raspberry leaf tea when I was pregnant a lot of people yep. say don't have it during the first trimester the same with some essential oils right um, but yeah again it's about us reclaiming our natural wisdom you know and 500 years of women being burnt at the stake kind of had something to do with that right so and hence now we're living in a culture where you know it's all big pharma um 
so and then don't get us under the the pill and how that you know has yeah. impacted women's health but um yeah naturopaths unfortunately in most western countries are not subsidized by the national health scheme and so a lot of people go oh it's too expensive i'll just go to the bulk billing medicare aid gp but um you know naturopathy can work with the body so much more harmoniously than chemical based drugs is my experience anyway yeah thank you um all right, look, let's go down a rabbit hole, shall we? Because yeah, yeah. we've got just over 10 minutes to go. And um, actually, before we do, you had some stuff about what they did in ancient Egypt, which I thought was fascinating. Do you want to share that? Yeah, definitely. So um, as I was mentioning before, yeah, that that we can kind of see that abortions were carried out in ancient um Egypt and ancient Greece um but one yeah one really interesting thing that I discovered when I was researching contraception um was that there are scripts saying that the women in ancient Egypt would use some um would they would take cow dung and place it against their cervix um as a mean of means of contraception well it'd certainly keep a man away wouldn't it she smells like shit (laughs) (laughs) or not they also used and to use animal skin here. for a condom. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I thought, I thought that was really fascinating as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, look, for as long as people have had sex, they've, you know, found yeah. a way to do um, contraception and abortion. And, and to think otherwise is to just, you know, have your head up your ass, basically. Right. Um so, and in those earlier cultures, of course, they honoured the wheel of life, death and rebirth. So there right. wasn't as much hysteria yeah. and, um, what would you say, politicising of yep. this uh, arena. Yeah, so that's the, what I'd found was something, something like it hadn't become a part of legalisation or legislation mm-hmm. until the 18th century. Um, oh, started becoming imposed whereas yeah before that it was seen as a part of life I think in in Greece there was um, one of the beliefs was that the fetus was like a plant being it wasn't um, considered an animal until it had breathed air and so abortion was very generally accepted and um, thank you that's fascinating mm. Yeah, I mean, so basically it was in the Victorian era that it came in. Yeah. Right. How interesting that they also came up with the vibrator at that time. Do you know what Mm. I mean? Like you'd go Mm. to your doctor rather than touching yourself and him apply a machine for hysteria to your um, clitoris. So, yeah, it's like the shift for everything to be externalised. Yep. How interesting. Yeah, 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 and I dare say the whole birthing process too shifted from midwifery at home to, um, you know. (laughs) Anyway, we are returning, folks. So, Mm -hmm. yes, getting back to that um, rabbit hole, um, there is a really deep, dark taboo which some of you are probably already aware of, some of you maybe not, 
And I want to just do a bit of a warning. If you've got children that are in earshot right now, probably a good time to pause this episode and circle back later because what we're about to discuss is not for little ears. Um, but I feel as adults we do need to make this part of the conversation. We need to acknowledge that this is going on and that is the use of aborted fetuses for things in our modern-day world that people probably aren't aware of. So fetal cells are being used in um, cosmetics, in the cosmetic industry. Um, you know, I mean, they've been using um, placentas for a while. Uh, you know, I think L'Oreal had brought out a face cream that had placentas in it and even Sandra Bullock was on Ellen talking about the face cream she used with um, boys' circumcised skin in it. Um, yes, we've gone down a very strange rabbit hole, folks. But uh, there are a number of uh, anti-aging skin creams that have cells from 14-week-old aborted male fetuses. These include Biogel, Prevodem, Journey Bioserum, Lumiere and Biorestorative Skin Cream. So just if you've got that and if that's what you're putting on your face thinking, wow, this is smoothing out those fine lines, make that choice with awareness or not mm. um, because it's the fact that, you know, all of these things are being done but without public um awareness and that to me is the issue so that then we can have a conversation about is this honoring of the sacredness of life like is this you know are the women who are having those terminations even aware that the the fetal tissue is then being you know collected by white trucks and sent to these huge corporations that are making money out of this you know and why aren't we harvesting the stem cells from menstrual tissue instead of fetal tissue? You know, this is why in the ancient world, you know, the grail was considered so holy. It was um, the, the um, life-giving cells would literally can turn a man's hair from grey to black when ingested and, you know, has these huge life-restoring properties. There was um, an Australian scientist doing work with menstrual blood healing wounds at a really quick rate. But, you know, if you think about the, the cells from menstruation, that's, you know, I'd say most women would be happy to donate that <laughs> and right. leave, our, leave our fetuses alone. Do you know what right. I mean? It's kind of like let us have a sacred uh, burial of that material, you know, return the, their unused physical forms back to the earth mother and, um, yeah, not have it out there as a, as a commodity. Um, is there anything you wanted to sort of add to that? Definitely. I feel like if whenever there's money, whenever there's, something being commodified there is so much space for manipulation for greed for 
misusage and I don't, you know, I don't know who and how power is used and misused. However, I do know wherever there's the potential for it to be misused, that it's likely it's going to be. So I feel for me that um, the thing that irks me is that there is any kind of potential space for a manipulation of birth and death, that it's, mm. that, there's, that there's, you know, that there's potential for harm and that, you know, if we're just buying these things, like, um, you know, A, I mean, I already think it's an issue that, the, the youth inducing products are so sought after I think that's another whole episode but um be the fact that we don't know you can't trace that back and if you could yeah. you buy it yeah it's not like they're putting that on the label right you know and yet you know the food and drug administrations it's going through you yep. know, yep. Um, so there's Concerning. covert cover-ups because, right. you know, they're getting paid off, you know. Yep. Yep. Um, and the other thing is there's fetal cells and vaccinations. So right. the MMR shot, hepatitis A shot, the rabies vaccine, uh, the chickenpox vaccine, all have to be grown within fibroblast cells, which... Um, are needed to hold the skin and other connective tissue together and they've been using aborted uh, embryo fibroblast cells from women from the 1960s um, to grow those embryonic cells in laboratories. So again, it's about disclosure, you know, rather than, oh, don't question the medical profession. They are right. above and beyond questioning, you know. Yep. Just shut up and do what's right. Otherwise, you're a negligent parent and you're putting your child's health at risk. It's like, well, no, we need to exercise critical thinking. We need to question and yep. to say exactly what is in this, yep. um, you know, and there's a number of drugs that are on the market that contain fetal cells these include octopharma which treats hemophilia um gcsf which is a white blood white blood cell stimulant also put out by octopharma uh pulmazyme which is for cystic fibrosis put out by the pharmaceutical company genentech uh, one for rheumatoid arthritis put out by Amgen, which is called Enbril. Uh, another one put out by Ellie Lilly called, fuck, I can't spell that, uh, pronounce that, hang on, Absixamab. <laughs> also known <laughs> as Repro, which is a much easier word is to that? say. Yeah. And goodness gracious, one put out by Amgen called Aronsen, oh, I'll just spell it, A-R-A-N-S-P. Also, Procrit. Anyway, do your own research, folks. Um, <laughs> rather than listening to me, <laughs> try and pronounce pharmaceutical drugs. Um, where's the source that I got that info from? So you can go do your own research. It's uh, deeprootsathome.com forward slash cosmetics. Um, hyphen drugs, hyphen additives, hyphen fetal, hyphen cells, forward slash. So the info is out there. It's just not being 
widely disseminated and thanks to the censorship of um, Google, uh, if you do want to find this kind of info, you've probably got to use a more autonomous search engine like Ecosia, which plants a tree every time you search. So nice to support them anyway. But, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, yeah, again, I just feel like, you know, we, we put so much emphasis on where we get our eggs from, you know, for our breakfast if we're eating animal mm, products and good you know, point. there's a you know you can even scan the the carton and see live footage of where the hens are yet we're not kind of questioning the ethics where our own eggs are going yeah yeah essentially wow yeah. love that absolutely yeah. love that correlate like you know the yeah thank I you i wasn't even intending to have <laughs> have the pun there but yeah no i love it because, um, yeah, we want to be free-range chicks, don't we, all of us? Right. And to have some say in what happens to our eggs is, in, you know, that's, that's honourable. Yep. So, um, look, that's the end of the hour. Um, thanks for those of you that joined us again um, for such a charged topic. Uh, we would welcome your feedback if you feel to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or um, Anchor or wherever you're listening to this. And, um, yeah, do check out the free course that Kristen has created if you have had a termination um, or a miscarriage and you are journeying to integrate that experience into your psyche. Is there anything you want to add to that, Kristen? No, I think that was everything. Yeah, we, we, we covered a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, mm. blessings, everyone. We'll Thank see you, you next month as the moon yeah. descends to her darkest ebb to talk more about the dark taboos that mm. um, get swept under the rug and it's pretty messy under there. <laughs> All right. Have a great month. Thanks so much for joining me, Kristen. Love Thanks, you. Thanks, Aniska. Love you All too. Right. Ciao, darling. Ciao. Thanks for joining us. If you'd love to uh, catch future episodes, head on over to Spotify and uh, click follow. And if you'd like to find out more about my work, you can head over to the Moon Woman. That's M O N Woman.com. And if you want to find out a bit more about me and the work that I do, you can go to yonilicious.com.au or you can find me on Instagram where I'm more active at yonilicious. Y-O-N-I-L-I-C-I-O-U-S. Beautiful. Have a great day. Bye.